0: Welcome to the Top Floor Podcast, presented by AppFolio. I'm your host, Megan Eels-Monroe. Each month, we dig deep with real estate leaders and changemakers to uncover innovative solutions for today's complex property management, community association management, and real estate investment challenges. From rising interest rates to talk of recession, some big challenges are dominating property management conversations at the start of 2023. But since we know that challenging times can also present significant opportunities for growth, on this episode of the Top Floor Podcast, we wanted to take a deeper look at some of the big opportunities this new year also has in store and explore how rental operators can set themselves up for greater success. To do so, we'll first need to take a look at what's happening on a big picture macro scale to see what trends are going to impact property managers most. Then, we'll zoom in on what's happening on the ground floor of property management by diving into key findings from the 2023 Appfolio Property Manager Benchmark Report. And we couldn't think of a better guest to help us do both than Dror Poleg. So, let's get to know a little bit about Dror before we dive in.
1: Sure, great to be here. So, I spent two decades in real estate development and in tech. In real estate development, that meant mostly working in private equity real estate, so acquiring land uh, on behalf of investors and then developing it, building offices, apartments and shopping malls, mostly in China, uh, of all places. So a very large, very fast-growing, fast-moving market. Uh, My academic training uh, is in economic history, which basically is like economics, but focused on history, as the name implies. But mostly about big questions in history. So, you know, from things like, you know, why did did the industrial revolution happen in England rather than, you know, in the Yangtze River Delta in China, uh, to more specific questions like, why are some industries more concentrated than others? And why do people live where they live and why some cities are more productive than others? So through that lens over the past seven years or so, I've been focused almost exclusively on looking at how. Technology has impacted the evolution of the built world, so both historically, so over the last 200 years in particular, and right now, so looking at things that are currently happening uh, that maybe are not fully understandable yet or not fully uh, visible to everyone, and trying to understand, based on history, uh, where they might be headed. Uh, And as part of that work, what I do day to day is mostly speak to large investors, brief them scare them a little, give them a little hope, and try to give them an idea of where things are going. So a lot of speaking, a lot of teaching, uh, and writing as
0: well. In addition to writing for his own newsletter on DororPoleg.com, you've likely also seen Doror featured in publications such as The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, and The Financial Times, just to name a few. And you may have even read his debut novel. Rethinking Real Estate, A Roadmap to Technology's Impact on the World's Largest Asset Class, which received the 2020 Gold Prize from the National Association of Real Estate Editors. Drouer's impressive resume and long list of accomplishments have been almost 20 years in the making. He originally started off in real estate development, before leaving to develop his own tech startup for an app designed to fight urban loneliness. The startup didn't exactly go as true or planned, but it did catch the attention of people in the real estate industry, which is when he decided to pull all of his experience together into a brand new career opportunity.
1: Actually, the failure of that startup made me kind of think a little bit about those two worlds that I've inhabited for for two decades, the world of tech and the world of real estate. And I started seeing that one, they were converging in various interesting ways, uh, that there's a lot of new technology coming into real estate and also the technology in general is driving a lot of social changes in terms of how people work, how people get married, how people travel, how people spend their time and socialize that is going to affect how we actually use physical assets and even cities uh, as a whole. And it also made me realize that I've actually been dealing with real estate tech for a long time without never kind of calling it that. So again, with with my development work and and using sensors and location-based systems and other things when developing and operating shopping malls, I suddenly realized, wow, there's a lot of lessons from retail that people in office and in multifamily and in industrial are going to have to uh, get familiar with over the next few years. So I started writing about it and speaking about it. Frankly, at first I was kind of thinking, I'll just do this because it interests me until I figure out what I really want to do when, you know, when I grow up or for my next job. Uh, but then people started reaching out to me, asking me for help, asking me for insights,
0: And Drawer's insights are exactly why we invited him to be a guest on the show today. Since he has a unique view of what's happening on every level across the real estate industry, we asked him to dive into the top trends that he expects will shape residential real estate management in 2023.
1: The one the biggest is really the rise of remote work and hybrid work. So uh, both in terms of its impact on overall demand, Uh, not necessarily negative impact, but just shifting demand maybe from one place to others, some places to others, uh, and also changing the times of day that people spend at home, the types of things that they do at home, and that obviously impacts their needs and the kind of services that they may require and the impact on different systems in the building and, and in the neighborhood as a whole. So I think this is by far the largest one. That said, it doesn't mean that everyone is now going to be working from home. Most people will continue to work from offices, but a lot of those offices will be in different places. They'll be temporary. They'll be part of a network that the company enables people to have access to. Uh, and ultimately, hybrid is settling around 20, 30% of the market. And of course, it varies by industry uh, and it also varies by city because some cities are just they're easier to commute in or they're more walkable. So people are willing to come to the office because it's not a big deal. Uh, And that number often leads landlords or property managers to a lot of complacency because they say, okay, 15%, 20%, no big deal. Most of the market will still be there. But in reality, that's not what it means. If we ask ourselves, can office demand, 15% or 20% of it, if that shifts to another location or shifts online, and as a result, also some housing demand gets reshuffled from one place to another to the extent of 10 15% of the market changing. And all of that happening within two or three years, not twenty years, to two industries that didn't expect it at all. So offices and even multifamily—they're you know people assume that they're just stable and people need to be where they need to be, and they're just going to keep coming back because they all need a place to work and a place to sleep. Uh, that has a tremendous effect, and that effect creates a lot of new losers and some new winners. And and those winners are those people that adapt properly, that think about their customers. Uh, that build those new brands and you know, that create great experiences. A second trend driven by technology that is interesting, it's much smaller in its extent, but I think it's interesting, is the, the kind of convergence of hospitality and, and multifamily, uh, both from the side of things like Airbnb, where we're seeing platforms trying to streamline the leasing and marketing process and turn it into something like an Airbnb type experience. So instead of spending weeks on exchanging paperwork and sending your social security number to people and talking to multiple entities to just do it as as online as possible. Uh, and we've seen even Airbnb itself recently step up and you know launch its own residential leasing platform. So not just for short term, but really for people that are looking for an apartment. Uh, so they're doing it first because they want to secure basically hosts of people that rent apartments and then can can like list them on Airbnb and to do it legally with the agreement of the landlords and making sure that the landlords are compensated. But ultimately, it represents a, a deeper involvement of Airbnb in general in the residential leasing process, which I think both means that they might become a bigger player in the space, but more importantly, that they can pioneer all sorts of uh, processes and standards that then are adopted by the rest of the market so that customers start adopting and expecting things Uh, that maybe the existing leasing uh, process does not allow them. On the other side of the innovation market, we're seeing a a similar trend but from a different direction where operators that started by targeting a very narrow niche like co-living, let's say, developed for that niche Uh, certain brands and certain marketing strategies and certain, again, solutions to streamline the apartment leasing process and the showing process and to tell a story of the apartment and to focus the leasing process on specific groups of people, just like a consumer brand. So to say, hey, we're focusing on people that are 25 to 30 year old, uh, that are planning to share an apartment, that just graduated college. uh, And, you know, these are their specific needs. So we'll design the apartments and offer services to make sure that we are the most attractive solution for them we're seeing the same playbook start to apply to more and more types of of audiences and of segments so launching brands focused on families or brand, brands focused on workforce housing or you know i've seen people talk about even more niche things like you know uh buildings for people that are divorced and only have their kids certain days a week or buildings for you know uh, empty nesters but that idea of thinking of buildings as consumer products i think uh, is one of the big themes in my book, and I think it's going to become very significant over the next few years, with an interplay with the first trend that I described. So, because remote work suddenly gives people more choice, when you have choice, you go to to brands that you know that appeal to you. So that's when brands become important. Uh, so that's the second one. Third, I would say there's the general macro environment. You know, all the uncertainty. Uh, mostly negative at the moment. So both inflation and kind of the tight uh, labor market at the same time. Currently, we get both of them at the same time. At some point, we might be able to lower inflation, uh, but at the cost of some sort of recession. But we'll see how the economy lands, but that's definitely a big issue. Uh, And the fourth one, I would say, is the desperation that a lot of cities and municipalities have, I think, could be an opportunity for multifamily because governments might become a little more open minded in the, the things that they allow in order to enable housing, in order to uh, create jobs, uh, in order to allow the adaptation of their city centers or even other regions from like office centers to more uh, residential centers. That's another interesting trend that I'm tracking at uh, the next 18 months or so.
0: Of course, in addition to trends, there are opportunities and risks, too. Jor talked earlier about how the shifts and changes over the next 12 to 18 months will create new winners and new losers. So we asked him to explain what property management companies should be watching out for in 2023.
1: Yeah, so it's all a mixed bag. I wouldn't say there's like risks that like I see a lot of good news and a lot of opportunity, basically. So again, I said remote work reshuffles things. Uh, that means that if you're like complacent and comfortable and you don't want to do anything new, that might be trouble for you. But if you're open open to like trying to capture new opportunities, that basically allows you to attract people that weren't even potential customers before to come to you now. Uh, if you do the right things and you make yourself attractive. When you think that, that things are good, that's exactly the time to to actually pay attention to what's happening at the bottom of the market where low-end customers or underserved customers are struggling and to see the brands and the new disruptors that are catering to them. If we see what happened in the office market over the last decade, there's a very instructive dynamic there when you have a company, let's say like WeWork, that initially emerges, landlords look at it, office landlords look at it and say, oh, okay, this thing is a joke. You know, They only cater to people who can't even afford an office. So they, they, they steal customers from Starbucks. They're not They're not relevant to us. Then they see WeWork start to cater to slightly larger companies and even to some enterprise, you know, so like big name, Fortune 500 companies. And then the landlords say, yeah, okay, you know, but it's just a small niche and we don't care about it. Uh, we don't need to offer all of these bells and whistles and we don't need a brand and we don't need flexibility and we don't need to have an app and we don't need uh, to, to allow them to book their own tours. And, you know, th- that's fine. Uh, even the customers that are big that are using them, you know that's a small part of the market then they see it grow and then they say okay customers are willing to pay more per square foot for a we work even though we would offer them the same space uh, under a traditional lease but you know what i don't need the premium i have my own business i know what i'm doing i'm just going to stick to that but at some point the market reaches a point where customers or tenants are not even interested in the traditional product anymore so they come to a building and they say okay this building it doesn't give me any flexibility. It doesn't have any swing space in case I need to suddenly expand or suddenly contract. It doesn't have community management and events. Uh, It's not attractive to my, it doesn't even think about my own employees and the actual individuals in my company. It just wants to sign a lease with me. This building is not relevant at all. And also, I cannot find it online because it doesn't have a brand. It doesn't have like strong online marketing presence. So in a moment, almost suddenly all of those buildings, not just the you know they're willing to give up some premium but they've just become completely irrelevant like the, the, the kind of the new features that were pioneered by the disruptors and the startups become table stakes at some point and we're seeing a clear dynamic in the residential market in the same direction again where co-living companies used to be just these tiny things that cater to customers that nobody wants to deal with anyway you know people who just want to to rent an apartment by the bedroom uh But then gradually, their playbook is moving up market. And again, from the the other direction, something like Airbnb, that suddenly they are defining what residential leasing is going to look like in five years. And you either catch up with that or come up with your own ideas, or you just become that, like, you know, boring old building that nobody can find and is a pain in the behind to deal with and to to contract with. Uh, So... Even in a market where general demand is strong, I think this is an issue. And to go back to remote work, the fact that macro demand is strong doesn't mean that every apartment in the country will just be leased and everyone will be happy. Because again, people have a choice and they don't want to deal with brands that are are unpleasant and don't seem to represent uh, their interests or to cater to their circumstances, especially if there's other brands now that are doing that. So again, you're competing with Companies that are doing different things, even if you don't want to. Uh, and that's another lesson from the the kind of office market. You know, we work financially still didn't figure out how to make its business work uh, and and that meant that a lot of landlords just dismissed it as as a as a fad that will go away. But realistically, we've seen that even though it didn't make financial sense, it still changed the market, you know, and the stuff that it offered forced everyone else to kind of fall into line and start to offer the same thing. So the fact that something doesn't make financial sense doesn't mean that you can ignore it or it will go away because it's offering your customers something. Uh, And you either choose to play that game and compete, or, you know, yeah, you can just say, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and count on macro forces to carry me forward. Uh, But that's an increasingly risky proposition, I would say. Second, tight labor market. Again, could be a problem, but also means you can adopt technology, you can innovate, you can streamline all sorts of processes. You can do all sorts of things that you should have done, frankly, a few years ago, but now you're forced to do them. So just do them already. Now you can convince your lender to let you do it, or you can convince uh, your LPs or the owner of the building to let you implement those things, or you can convince your boss to let you install that thing that you've been using secretly, and now you can actually get the company to adopt. Uh, So it's a great opportunity for that.
0: There's no doubt the rental housing industry has had to navigate one obstacle after another over the last few years. But what about the other side of the coin? Surely there are opportunities to be had next year, even with the challenges that Dora mentioned. To find out, Appfolio surveyed nearly 5,000 employees at US based property management companies to create the annual Appfolio Property Manager Benchmark Report. This year, 2023 was the report's inaugural year. Interestingly enough, the report showed that the property management industry has an incredibly optimistic outlook for the next year. In fact, the top three opportunities for 2023, as identified by our survey respondents, are all about growth. In descending order, those top three opportunities are one, adding new units. In terms of expansion, 55% of property management companies surveyed, regardless of size or portfolio type, believe that adding new units to their portfolio is their biggest opportunity. 2. Improving customer service, with 42% of respondents saying it was a top opportunity in 2023. And finally, 3. Hiring additional staff. Just 1% of respondents say they're considering layoffs while 52% are looking to hire additional staff. All three opportunities identified by our survey respondents are also opportunities that Drawer agrees with. He also encourages property management companies to start taking advantage of them right now.
1: As we mentioned earlier, the market is getting reshuffled. It's not necessarily bad news, but it's only good news if you actually do something about it and try to capture it and try to respond to it. And I think looking to bring more units under management, and at the same time, as they mentioned, to try to improve customer service and hire more and hopefully hire better, uh, I think makes makes complete sense to me. You know, there's opportunities out there. Now is the time to grow if you can. So makes sense. We've seen recently a big trend now of office conversions to resi or more and more states kind of making it a, le- a little easier to upzone different areas and build more apartments. So that's exactly the kind of stuff that you could look at as good news or as bad news. You can say, oh, no, there's more supply coming up. You know, people are going to compete with us. Now offices are going to become apartments. Or you can look at it as an opportunity and say, hey, there's new stuff that I can develop now. There's stuff that I can do that the government didn't allow me to do previously. And probably now it's going to allow me to do that because it's becoming desperate. Frankly, I'm happy to see that, you know, property managers are, are thinking along these lines as well.
0: Although the top three opportunities identified in the 2023 Appfolio Property Manager Benchmark Report were universal across portfolio types and sizes and operator types, single-family and multifamily respondents did have some meaningful differences in their responses. To start with, single-family respondents were almost twice as likely to see adding new units to their portfolio as an opportunity compared to multifamily organizations. Additionally, single-family companies are more likely to see improving customer service, streamlining or automating operations, and opening up new revenue streams as opportunities. And finally, single-family businesses reported more opportunities in general than multifamily businesses did. Here's Dror's take on the findings and what they say about residential real estate for 2023 and beyond.
1: Speculating here. But there's an interesting report from the Federal Reserve of Kansas City that came out a few few days ago in December 2023, 2022. And that report basically looks at how much time people spend commuting, how much time they spent commuting before COVID and how much time they're spending now when they're working only three days a week, let's say, at the office compared to five days a week. And based on their savings in commute times... The Federal Reserve of of Kansas City and the, the economists that they hire basically estimate that that opens up hundreds of thousands of new single family units for development because it basically opens up new areas, not too far from cities, but a little farther away from where single family commuters used to live. So I think just in terms of your opportunity, there might be much more opportunity to develop more single-family housing, because most of those areas that are being opened up, they don't allow multifamily at the moment, or at least it'll be really hard to build multifamily in them. Uh, And of course, part of the hope is that governments in those areas or even state governments will actually force some of those areas to allow upzoning, at least uh, near main highways or uh, main train lines. But I think in terms of pure opportunity for new construction, there's probably more of that uh, for single-family housing uh, than for multifamily housing. In, in many areas. Uh, so that that's one way of understanding it. Again, there might be other explanations, but just in terms of relying on data that I have, that, that's the first thing I'll go to. In terms of the focus on customer service and on improving that, that that's higher for multifamily than in single family, that also makes sense because I think With everything we've said about them so far and all the things that they can do better, still multifamily developers are much more focused on customer service. It's a much more mature and established kind of rental and service market compared to single family housing. I think single family housing, even if it's for rent, the developers and investors in that space are currently mostly just focused on getting more and more supply. Uh, I think... At some point, they'll have to start thinking, okay, how do we actually service all of those portfolios and offer them something that that a traditional landlord would offer in multifamily? But at this point, it's more just about getting the houses and renting them out, uh, rather than really having that experience that you know, you're actually getting service from anyone, uh, which even in the worst multifamily projects, you at least know that you have a landlord, that you have somebody to call and to talk to, uh, which in rental housing, re- rental single family houses, uh, is not yet the case. I mean, it's much more of a mom-and-pop thing that people just expected to talk to some, uh, some person rather than to an actual company that has a service mentality and, and tools that enable, uh, enables you to submit uh, service requests, etc.
0: Although the outlook for next year is mostly positive, that doesn't mean survey respondents don't have concerns, too. For example, nearly half of the property managers we surveyed are worried about both inflation and delinquencies, which were reported as two of the biggest risks that could arise in the next year. And it's no surprise, given the ongoing talks of a recession amid record inflation rates in the U.S. But in general, the concern seems to be lower for single-family portfolios than it is for multifamily portfolios. Here's Dror's take on our respondents' feedback.
1: That makes sense, uh... Both because of inflation, and again, it's not so clear what's happening in the labor market so far, and we're recording this now in the middle of December, I know it's going to be published uh, in a few weeks. Uh, so far, we've seen mostly uh, softening of tech employment, but the rest of the economy is still behaving like everything's okay. But over the last few days, we started seeing even consumer good companies start to uh, to slash jobs, so PepsiCo and a little earlier even Amazon slashing uh, uh slashing some kind of more like manufacturing-like jobs. So we might see some softening there as well. And frankly, it looks like the Federal Reserve is trying to cause some softening there. And, you know, I wouldn't try to fight the Fed. And if that's what they're trying to achieve, they they might be able to achieve it. But more broadly, it goes back to, to the COVID ratchet effect as well. So during COVID, we saw a lot of stimulus, a lot of money being printed, a lot of people getting checks, a lot of people... Uh, getting kind of uh, rent vacations from their city governments or state governments that allows them to not pay rent for a while. And I think we haven't fully absorbed the return to normal from all of these effects. Uh, so we're in a very strange period. So I think being worried about delinquencies makes uh, makes sense to me. Hopefully it doesn't come to pass, but, uh, but completely understandable that that's the main concern in landlords' minds, in, in property managers' minds. To my knowledge, this wasn't the case so much in single-family rental markets. You didn't have a, a rental moratorium, I think, on single-family uh, houses, at least not to the extent that it was in, in large cities like New York and San Francisco uh, and others. So that to me would probably be the, the best explanation that I can think of for that, that uh, there, there's less of kind of suppressed uh, delinquencies through policy that is now expiring in the single-family housing market than there is in the multifamily market. I think the single family rental profile in general, one, the rent burden tends to be much lower for single family houses compared to a lot of urban multifamily. Uh, Second, there's usually multiple people living in the house, so you might have two salary earners. So if if one is in trouble, the other can kind of carry the load. Uh, And third, generally single family tends to be more for families and kind kind of economic units that are a little more stable, Uh, than on average people who live in apartments. Of course, there's a lot of great tenants and families that live in apartments as well. But I think if we're looking at a comparison between the two, uh, this is part of what explains the differences.
0: The opportunities our respondents noted in the 2023 Appfolio Property Manager Benchmark Report were fairly universal across portfolio size and type. But we did see major differences based on how property management organizations prioritize their operational goals for next year. Our survey showed that large property management companies are more likely to be focused on reducing costs, while smaller to medium-sized businesses are more focused on freeing up teams from labor-intensive processes. And as Drawer explained, even those two approaches are connected.
1: So one, they they don't seem like too different when you you compare these two options. Uh, They probably mean the same things, but different companies think about them uh, in different ways. I think large operators, tend to be a little bit ahead of the curve, because uh, mostly because they see data from multiple markets so they might see something coming that the smaller operator focused in one market that is doing well uh, might not yet notice or at least not be worried about. Uh, but I think in this labor environment, everyone is looking to cut costs uh, one way or another. And as we said at the beginning, technology is now becoming table stakes. So it's no longer about innovation. It's really about making sure that you understand all the tools that are out there and to make sure that you're implementing them. Because if you don't do that, then you're completely irrelevant. I mean, to, to do that, you know, to have the best tools in place in terms of property management, uh, that's just basic. I mean, you, you must be able to do that. And then beyond that, you have to start thinking about your strategy and your brand and how you actually compete uh, and 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 stand out, But just using technology in a way, is no longer a way to stand out. It's just a way to survive. If you go through the the kind of real estate customer journey, at every step, you see opportunities to make things better. and And honestly, a lot of these opportunities are really simple. They're really bread and butter issue. They don't require a lot of you know coming up with new ideas. Starting from how people find an apartment, how they share their information, how they access information about the asset or the the building that they're looking at. How they provide information the kind of forms that they fill the kind of information that they get in return how things are being booked even there if you compare it to other industries other consumer industries and you see their workflows and how they streamline things and how they automate things and how they make it fun and pleasant there's a lot of room for improvement then once you get to the building itself access control systems uh, you know, sensors and other things that uh, that improve energy consumption or preventive maintenance that kind of can tell you in advance if a pipe is about to burst or if a, a dryer or washing machine has some problem before people even have to complain. We have now tools that enable us to do all of those things. And here too, I've seen startups are guilty of that as well, trying to kind of jump too far ahead instead of addressing the bread and butter stuff. So, you know, so we have a million, let's say, I don't know, tenant engagement tools that are trying to be the next Facebook Well, at the same time, if I just want to report like a little maintenance issue, it's too complicated for me or it looks like a form from the Middle Ages. So there's a lot of little things that, you know, as a tenant, I just want it to be easy and beautiful for me to like to do it, to know that it's in process, to see who's handling it. Just like when I book an Uber that I know, okay, the driver is now making his way and that's what he's going to do. And, you know, leave some feedback automatically and understand who you're dealing with. A lot of these little touches, I think, to bring the real estate experience up to par with what people are currently getting in almost any other industry uh, where they're spending their money. And usually when they're spending much less money uh, than they do on their buildings. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would focus on these. Just really go try to be your own customer and go through the steps that they go through. And then go buy something else that the brand online and compare the two processes and say, okay, how how much fun or pleasant was this process compared to, to what the best brands in the world are doing? And <laughs> take take all the boxes until you you get up to par, I would say.
0: So, what can we take from the eye-opening findings from the 2023 Appfolio Property Manager benchmark report? And how will these findings impact the next year and beyond? We asked Drawer to sum up his thoughts.
1: I think overall the reports uh really it shows that property managers are focused on what they should be focused on right now. One, that they're still relatively optimistic, You know, they're looking for opportunities to expand in this kind of great reshuffling. They're very aware of things that they should be worried about, whether it is the labor crunch or interest rates and the impact on the overall uh, economy. And they seem to be talking about improving customer experiences and streamlining uh, customer experiences in general, which of course requires technology and it's something that they should all be thinking about. Uh, so as as an observer from the outside, I'm relatively optimistic. I think uh, we haven't seen any answers that don't make sense here. And I look forward to seeing them implement all of those things in practice and kind of navigate the, the environment over the next couple of years.
0: The last few years had some unexpected twists and turns for the property management industry. But both Drawer and the nearly 5,000 respondents surveyed for the 2023 AppFolio Property Manager Benchmark Report give us plenty of reasons to be optimistic, especially with so many opportunities for growth in the year ahead. I'd like to thank Drawer Poleg for being on the show today and providing his expert insights. Also, don't forget to get a copy of the 2023 AppFolio Property Manager Benchmark Report out now we'll be sure to include links to the report in the show notes for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by leaving a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'll see you here again next month as we continue our narrative journey with today's real estate leaders, decision makers, and change makers on the top floor.